0: Warm and friendly, and all. Welcome
2: to Lumpy Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A terrific show for you. is in the second segment. We're going to be looking at a couple of the younger guys out there in baseball. Some of the teams that are bringing up their prospects. William Bohr of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline does as good of a job as anyone that I know of being able to take a look at all this. So we're going to be chatting with him about that in the second segment. The Seattle Mariners have a bunch of young guys. He, I know that he covers the Arizona Diamondbacks and the St. Louis Cardinals very closely as well. And we're going to be taking a look at Alec Manoa because Manoa, what? He looked very good in his first start against the New York Yankees. Is there perhaps some staying power with that young starter as well? So, gonna have that chat in the second segment, then in the final segment. Gonna give you guys side total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday, and a little something I like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast, and you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter, so I send these in via the Twitter timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, if you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, did wind up getting in one today. So let's get into it.
0: So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag.
2: I know that quite a few of you guys wound up asking about ballpark factors with regards to weather. How does like a 10 mile per hour wind at Great American Ballpark out there in Cincinnati compared to like a 10 mile per hour wind out there in Kansas City and the Milwaukee Brewers, what have you? And The answer is every single one of these ballparks are different. And don't think that because you know the weather that you're going to be getting a massive leg up on these bookmakers. They are very aware of it as well. There's a reason why the totals at Wrigley Field do not wind up going up until the morning at a lot of places. It's because the wind influences those totals as much as any ballpark out there in the big leagues. And there are some stadiums that are specifically designed to be able to minimize wind. Because I was taking a look at something that was done a few years ago by Kevin Roth. He does a great job. Roto Grinders really weather guy over there, and he was talking about how if the wind is blowing out, say, I believe the number was 10 miles per hour at Wrigley Field, home runs wind up increasing by 50%. If you take that same 10 mile per hour wind, put it in San Francisco, it's more like six. So these places that they wind up having retractable roofs, they wind up just being a little bit more, I guess you could call it, stable with regards to the wall. It's going to be affecting them a little bit less than a more intimate ballpark like in Chicago. Like out there in Great America Ballpark as well. It's sitting out there over by a body of water so the wind can influence that and you're going to get a little bit more of a hitter friendly ballpark we know that with the Cincinnati Reds home and Road splits so how weather winds up affecting my handicapping is all based on the stadium I know that ESPN actually puts out stadium factors with regards to on their website if you just Type in Ballpark Factors ESPN into Google. It'll pop up for you. That'll help you out a little bit more with regards to your handicapping. So to answer it to you bluntly with regards to how the wind winds up factoring into my handicapping of every ballpark. Every one of these ballparks is very different just because they are all very unique and that's the nice thing about baseball is that the home field advantage it can vary from day to day and it varies from ballpark to ballpark so hopefully that answers your questions and let's get some answers with regards to what we're all seeing in baseball right now. Let's take a look back at everything that we wound up seeing on Saturday. try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better.
0: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
2: The Chicago White Sox wound up being a big favorite that wound up losing to the Detroit Tigers I know that someone was saying that this game was rigged. I can tell you right now, baseball games are not rigged. When you've got social media out there and these guys making millions and millions of dollars, they're not going to risk Kevin and earth to make sure that an under winds up hitting as this game winds up going 4-3 to three on the final 2 weeks. Google has all given up two runs or fewer and now five out of his last six starts. Gives up one run, punches out 11 in five innings. The White Sox were 27-3 and three in their last 30 games against left-handed starters, so that seems to be drying up a little bit For the Tigers, bullpen has been looking a little bit better as well. Derek Holland back to being Derek Holland. He's got a 10.05 ERA. Gives up two runs over the course of a third of an inning. But Kyle Funkhouser gives you five outs. Gregory Soto, Jose Cicerno, both give you a scoreless inning. And had a trio of home runs here for the Tigers. Eric Haas goes deep not once but twice off of Lucas Giolito for his sixth and seventh home runs of the campaign, and Miguel Cabrera winds up going deep off of Giolito as well. That is his fifth of the season for Giolito. Gives up those three home runs, four runs in total over the course of seven innings. Cody Hero, Jose Ruiz were able to give you a scoreless sending it for the White Sox. Ten men left on base in this one, so that was not necessarily too terrific if you wanted up backing them. If you wound up in the St. Louis Cardinals, not too terrific for them as home teams. Wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it early on in the day. Five to two, the Cincinnati Reds were able to get the win in front for Tyler Molly, Terrific start in this one. He gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. TJ Antone, Lucas Sims. They give you a scoreless eighth and ninth inning. And for the starter mister, you don't mess with the Johan Oviedo. He gives up a home run to Jonathan India. His fifth home run of the season. Reds overcome going one of 13 with men in scoring position, by the way. Big reason why Jorginho Suarez winds up going deep off of Ryan Aisley for his 13th home run of the season for Oviedo. Gives up two runs over the course of four innings. He's been used as pretty much an opener plus so far this year for the Cardinals. Then from there, Daniel Ponce Leon own. two scoreless settings, Genesis Cabrera he winds getting five outs gives up an under run and Ryan Aisley he gets four outs but gives up two runs in the process and for the Cardinals they go just two of eight with men in scoring position and for the St. Louis Cardinals they have been sliding a little bit recently this is a bunch that they have now lost each out of the last four games after being able to get a win out there in LA against the Dodgers for the Toronto Blue Jays I wound up having the over in this one trying to make it five straight New York Post wins you get five runs in the first five innings, and the Oversil does not wind up coming through. 6-2 though, the Toronto Blue Jays were able to get the win as you had Joe Panic getting a home run off of Jose Urlikiti, his second of the campaign, and Vladgaro Jr. takes urtakiti deep. His league-leading 18th home run of the season for Ross Sherpling. He gives up seven hits over the course of five innings, but limits the damage, gives up just one run. Tim Mazza, Trent Thornton, they give you a combined three scoreless innings, and Rafael Dolis comes in in the ninth inning. Things got airy. He loaded up the bases with one out, but escapes it while only giving up one run, and for the Houston Astros. 1 of 7 with Benning scoring position for Urakiti, He gives up 6 runs in 4 and 2 thirds innings and a bullpen that's been far from terrific. You wind up getting scoreless innings out of Josh Smith, Blake Taylor, and then you wind up getting Inori Paredes being able to give you 5 outs without giving up a run. So, Blue Jays are able to get the job done there. The Indians get the job done against a Baltimore team that they're expecting a little bit more out of John Means standing up for the final. For Means, he winds up getting 2 outs in the first inning, gives up a pair of solo home runs. He then is checked out, winds up coming out of the game. It looks like they're There's like some shoulder inflammation slash some general arm fatigue. So from there, Adam Plutko comes in. He pitches for two innings. He gives up five runs, only one of which was earned because Stevie Wilkerson had a terrible error. Trey Lankins Sr. winds up giving up an earned run. That was over the course of two innings. Cesar Valdez, two and a third innings. He gives up a run, Dylan Tate, in two innings. Gives up a run as well in front of the Orioles. Offense seems to be getting on line. You have Cedric Mullins going deep twice off of Aaron Savali. His 7th and 8th of the campaign. Ryan Moncastle gets his 8th of the season. Also off of Savali, who winds up getting another win, despite it not necessarily a great pitching performance. He's 8-2 with a 3.49 ERA. Gives up 3 bombs, 4 runs in total over the course of 6 innings. Cleveland Indians bullpen has been solid all year long, though. Brian Shaw, Emmanuel Clay, a squirreless setting, And then you wind up having James Karinchuk along with Blake Parker. Combined for a scoreless inning of their own. And for the Cleveland Indians... Power surge here as you have Harold Ramirez getting his third home run of the season. Yu Chang gets a home run off of Mister Adam Blutko for his first, and John Means serves one up to Cesar Hernandez for his ninth of the season. For the Milwaukee Brewers, the offense seems to be getting online for them as well. They have scored at least five runs in each of their last four games. They take it to the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of seven to five for the Sakes. Merrill Kelly, who just throughout his career has always been bad on the road, a lifetime road ERA north of a five-five. He gives up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of six innings, including a home run and then Joaquin Soria. In the 8th inning, gives up a pair of solo home runs to really doom this game. Over the course of an inning, Taylor Clark gave you a scoreless inning as well, but for the Milwaukee Brewers being able to go deep, Christian Yelich off of Mr. Soria. He gets his third of the campaign. Speaking of third home runs of the season, William Adamus, his third as a brewer. That comes off of Merrill Kelly, and Omir Nervais took Soria deep. His sixth of the season for Brandon Woodruff, really his worst start since opening day, and he gives up two runs over the course of five innings. From there, you wind up having scoreless innings out of Josh Hader, Devin Williams, and Hobie Milner. Now, you did have Brent Suter give up three runs in an inning, including two home runs, going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks in this one. Eduardo Escobar is 14th of the season, and then you wind up having Josh Rojas go deep not once but twice, once off of Woodruff for his sixth home run the season, once off of Suter for his seventh, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, so they've actually not done a terrible job with their yards of scoring themselves at least four runs in four out of their last five games. It certainly has been tough for them, as I believe that they have now lost 15 out of their last 17 games team has been losing a lot of games this year would be the Minnesota Twins, but they got a win on Saturday over the Kansas City Royals by a count of 5-4. Jose Barrios winds up getting the win despite giving up four runs over the course of six innings as he was backed up by Enzo Robles, Taylor Rogers, and Ty Duffy, who all gave him a scoreless inning in the bullpen, and for the Kansas City Royals, it was Mike Miner. It was a major disappointment. One seven innings, gave up five runs, all of which were earned, including three home runs. Going deep for the Kansas City Royals in this one, Andrew Bennett, you, was very nearly able to get a cycle. He had a triple in this one, gets a sixth home run of the campaign, but he was really the guy that was doing all the damage for the Royals. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, Miguel de Sano, his ninth home run over the last 21 days, his 11th of the campaign. You've got Kyle Garlic going deep off of minor for his fifth, and you get the second home run of the season off a of backup catcher, Ryan Jeffers, bat. So that was nice. And for the Minnesota Twins, they go 2 of 3 with runners in scoring position. And for the Kansas City Royals, a pair of scoreless hangs out the bullpen. Jake Brent, Greg Hall, unable to provide that, but they themselves only leave four men on base. So a lot of all or nothing that was going on in that game. The Boston Red Sox after they had lost, I believe, 11 straight in Yankee Stadium. They have now won back-to-back games in Yankee Stadium, thanks to a four-run eighth inning, 7-3 to three, the final for the Boston Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck was able to go deep off of Chad Green in that eighth inning, his sixth home run this season. For Eduardo Rodriguez, not a great, not a terrible start. Five and a third innings, he does give up three runs, including a homer going deep Glaber Torres, his third of the campaign, but the Yankees go 0-4 with men in scoring position, and the Boston Red Sox bullpen continues to be great. Garrett Woodlock, five outs out of the bullpen, he gets a win Adam Otavino gives you a scoreless ending in the Brandon Workman and Matt Barnes able to combine for that ninth inning and for the New York Yankees, Jamison Tyon Gave you not a great, not a terrible start. Similar line to Eduardo Escobar. Five and a third innings gives up three runs. But Chad Green, who's been pretty reliable all year long. Two outs recorded in this one. Gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Jonathan Luizaga gives you four outs out of the bullpen. You were able to get Juani Peralta in there for a scoreless inning. And Brooks Chriskey was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. But for the New York Yankees, once again, bottom of the lineup. Just did not wind up looking good for this team. It's really been their main issue all season long. What is an issue for betters is not taking the San Francisco Giants on the money line. 4-3 4-3 to three, the final, 37-21. and 21. They've got the best record out there in the National League and at home this year. They've been one of the best teams in their friendly confines. They are now 18-8 and eight at home, 37-21. and 21. I believe that that is the second best win percentage out there in the big leagues. Might actually be number one with the White Sox loss. And for the San Francisco Giants, they were able to get it done thanks to an Austin Dickerson home run off of Cole Stewart, his sixth of the season for the Chicago Cubs. Stewart winds it going. Three and two thirds innings, giving up that home run. Three runs in total. Bullpen has had the best CRA in the last three days of any out there in baseball, and they were solid in this one. Dan Winkler gives up a run in an inning, but. Ryan Tepera gives you a scoreless inning. Corey Abbott winds up giving you two scoreless. Tommy Nance has a scoreless appearance as well and for the Chicago Cubs. Patrick Wisdom now has his fifth home run in like 11 days. It's absolutely amazing. He goes deep off of Kevin Gosman as the two runs they gave up were unearned as he winds up having three errors in the field really costing him. So seven innings, two unearned runs, and then from there, Jake McGee is able to hold it down and then it seems like he might be the closer moving forward. Tyler Rodgers able to get the save for the San Francisco Giants as they continue to be white hot. The Oakland A's have been white hot on the road. They take down the Colorado Rockies by a kind of 6-3. to A Rockies team that they are 4-22 and on the road. Now 9-14 and at home after back-to-back home losses. And for the Oakland A's, 18-8 and eight on the road, and for the A's, they were able to do it very early in this one. They wind up being able to get four runs in the first three innings of this one, and that is thanks to Chad Binder being able to go deep off of Kyle Freeland for his third the season, along Matt Olsen getting his 15th off of Mr. Freeland. For Cole Irvin, the team had lost each out of his last five starts, but in this one, he was terrific. Gives up one run over the course of six innings out there in Coors. That is not easy. Jesus Lazardo is now coming out of the bullpen, and he didn't look too terrific. Gives up two runs in two innings, including Homer. Lou Trevino was able able. able to close things up in the ninth inning, but going deep for the Colorado Rockies, Brendan Rodgers, highly touted prospect, gets his first home run of the season, but for Kyle Freeland, he goes 5 innings, gives up 10 hits, 5 runs, all of which weren't, including those 2 home runs. Bullpen was actually not too bad. You've at least just seen 2 scoreless innings. You wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Michael Givens, and then you wind up having Ben Bowden along Tyler Kinley. Combined for an inning, Kinley gives up a run in the process, but for the Rockies, it has been not necessarily the world's greatest year for them. It's not necessarily been the world's greatest year for the Atlanta Braves as they have not been above 500 for a single day this year, but they're able to take it to the LA Dodgers by a count of six to four. And for Clayton Kershaw, he's not necessarily looking like the greatness that we've seen from Clayton Kershaw in the past winds up giving up 5 runs over the course of 6 innings has given up at least 5 and now 3 out of his last 5 starts. Blake Tryon gives up a run out of the bullpen. That was a solo home run. Phil Bickford gives you a scoreless inning but going deep for the Atlanta Braves. How about the first home run of the season off of the bat of Mr. Abraham Almonte and for the Atlanta Braves, Charlie Bourne, he winds up giving up 4 runs in 5 innings but 2 of those were unearned and then And Atlanta Braves bullpen that was terrific last year has been in the back half of the league with regards to bullpen ERA this year. They were able to step up in this one. Squirrelless innings out of A.J. Minter, Caleb Martin along with Will Smith, and then Luke Jackson and Tyler Madzik combined for a scoreless inning of their own. And for the LA Dodgers, team that's in a little bit of transition right now, go 3 of 9 with men in scoring position. And for the Dodgers, they have scored at least 4 runs in quite a few of their games recently, though. They have now scored at least 4 runs and I believe, 9 out of their last 11. So they certainly have been scoring. The pitching has been a little bit hit or miss. For the Washington Nationals, all year long it's been hit or miss because they were unable to drive men in in scoring position, and that was the case on Saturday. 5-2, to two, they lose to the Philadelphia Phillies. For the Washington Nationals, they strand 10 men on base and they go 0 of 8 with men in scoring position. Tough for Joe Ross in this one as well. He gives up 4 runs in 6 innings but they were all unearned because Josh Bell wanted up making a terrible fielding error. From there, you wind up having scoreless innings out of Kyle Finnegan along Kyle McGowan. Sam Clay comes in. He gives up a run without recording it out but for the Nationals, Josh Bell would redeem himself with a home run off of Jose Alvarado, his 8th of the season but for the Philadelphia Phillies they get actually a pseudo open out of Spencer Howard. He gives up one under and run over the course of two and a third innings and then from there, bullpen goes to work. Rangers Swar is a long guy. Three scoreless innings. Archie Bradley, Sam Coonrod combined for an inning. Alvarado goes five outs. He gives up that solo run and then Connor Brogdon able to get the save him for the Philadelphia Phillies. Andrew McCutcheon goes deep off of Joe Ross. His tenth of the season. Phillies go three of eight with Ben in scoring position so they were able to take care of their opportunities. Speaking of being able to take care of their opportunities, the Pittsburgh Pirates are taking care of their opportunities against the Miami Marlins as they have taken the the first three of the series. Seven to eight, the final, and this one they are able to get the W and for the Miami Marlins, they have all of a sudden really seen a little bit of a downfall with their pitching. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, all of a sudden, this is a team that I believe that they have played each other their last five games either over or they have pushed the total. So all of a sudden, you're seeing a little bit of off that fence there. We're going to be talking about Cabrian Hayes in the next segment with our good buddy over there with MLB Pipeline along with MLB.com, William Boris. He's an up and coming prospect. He only wound up having one hit in this one. But for the Pirates, the guys were just able to do a great job in general. They go three of thirteen with the Bennett's position because this is a game that winds up going 12 innings. No home runs, but you were just able to get a little bit of everything going on, and for Chase Young, he gives up 5 runs over the course of 5 innings, but the bullpen of the Pirates has actually been very solid. Kyle Crick, 2 scoreless innings with regards to earned runs. He gives up 1 unearned run. Clay Holmes, he is able to come in in the 12th, get the W. Richard Rodriguez gives up a run in an inning, but David Bernard, scoreless inning. You wind up getting 2 scoreless out of Sam Howard as well, and then for the Miami Marlins, you wind up having a start that was not too bad from Trevor Rodgers. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings. From there, Richard Blyer is able to give you a score of the setting along Dylan Floro, but Anthony Bass was taken, hook, line, and sinker. Records two outs, gives up three runs, Two of which were earned. Anthony Bender was able to come in and he was able to hold things down in the 8th inning. Yimi Garcia gives up an underrun. Adam Simber, the underrun in the 12th inning that crosses. And John Curtis with two S's gives you a scoreless inning. And for the Miami Marlins, they lose this game despite getting three home runs. Jez Chisholm goes deep off of Young for his 7th home run the season. Young serves one up to Jorge Alfaro for his 2nd home run the season. And Ace Aguiar able to get his 11th in for the Marlins. They go 2 of 16 with men in scoring position. That's honestly too terrific. It was not too terrific what we saw from the Seattle Mariners either late in their game against the LA Angels. They lose by a count of twelve to five after getting up five to one in this game. So they allowed eleven unearned runs to be able to end the game for the Seattle Mariners. You had Jake Fraley being able to go deep off of Alex Scott for his second home run of the season, but Yusei Kikuchi, he gives up four runs in total over the course of four innings, two of which were earned pair of home runs. Going deep for the LA Angels off of him. Max Sassi, second home run of the season, and Shohei Otani gets his 16th. You also have Taylor Ward going deep off of Drew's second rider. That was his fifth home run of the season as the Seattle Mariners' bullpen. Now has the worst ERA in the big leagues over the last 30 days. Will Vest, fresh off the injured list. Gives up five runs in a third of an inning. His ERA went from a 450 to a 629. Anthony Machevich gets the final two outs of the eighth inning. You wind up having one run given up in an inning out of Yacel Rios. If you're wondering who that is, I am as well. Drew's second rider winds up giving up two runs in an inning. And G.T. Jargois was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Angels, Alex Cobb. Not the start he was hoping for, but he did give the team length. Seven innings, pitch. he gives up five runs from there. CC Sheck, Tony Watson combined for a scoreless inning, and Alex Claudio able to get the job done in the ninth inning to be able to close things out as the Angels all of a sudden have been able to pair together a couple W's. They have now won three out of their last four. And speaking of a team that was able to put a W up on the board, the New York Metropolitans, they go into San Diego and they're able to get a win. As for the Metropolitans, they were able to do so behind Francisco Lindor being able to get a big hit? Someone called the papers in the fifth inning. He got his fifth home run of the season off of Joe Musgrove. And then Jose Peraza able to get a served For Jacob deGrom, he was masterful once again. And by the way, this is the first total that closed at 5.5 since he wound up having a Clayton Kershaw versus Chris Sale start in 2012. And for deGrom... 11 punch-outs, 7 scoreless innings. Seth Lugo was able to give you a scoreless ending of the bullpen as well for the Mets. They wound up going 1 of 11 with men in scoring position, but they were able to get a double-digit amount of hits for Musgrove. Gives up 3 runs over the course of 5 innings. punch out 8, but still not enough. You have from there, Cruz Matt give you a couple scoreless innings. Austin Adam, Tim Hill they were able to give you a scoreless inning for Fernando Tatis Jr., by the way. 13th stolen base of the year, but for the Padres, unable to do anything with Ben in scoring position. And for the Padres, it's been very interesting to watch this team in general, as this is a bunch that I I believe has now lost seven out of their last nine games. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball in general, we have seen some wackiness all season long. But when it comes to overs and unders, they are pretty dead even right now. You've got 417 overs and 417 unders right now favorites. 483, and 373. That's right around a 56.5% clip. And if you're looking at road teams, they are right now 400 and 464. Right around 462 46.3%. If you're looking over the last 30 days, road teams are only winning at about a 40% clip. And when you're taking a look at totals, overs are 46 and 45 over the last seven days. So relatively even. And if you're looking from a last 30 days perspective, favorites. 240 and 158, hitting at a little bit above a 60% clip and overs, 195 and 194. So we've been dead even there and what we are very dead set on is having great guests on this podcast. William Moore of MLB Pipeline certainly fits the bill coming in next. We're going to be talking about a lot of these up and coming prospects, including Alec Manoa. Is he going to be able to give you some good starts this upcoming season? He's already had a pair of them at the big league level. We're going to be talking about the years in the talk a little bit about the St. Louis Cardinals, some of the guys that might be coming up as well. That's all on the other side right here on the Baseball Vending Podcast with myself, Greg
0: Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here
2: in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest as William Bohr is doing an absolutely terrific job with MOB.com along the MLB Pipeline. Does a great job of looking at the stars that are going to be coming up tomorrow in baseball, and a lot of what's going on today as well. You're able to follow him on Twitter at wboard. That is the letter W and then B O O R and William. Always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much
1: for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Always happy to hop on talk some baseball with you.
2: It's always great to have you aboard, and it is great that you do a great job of being able to cover both the St. Louis Cardinals and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know that those are your main two teams, and when I take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, they've done an absolutely terrific job of being able to maneuver this roster so far this year. They've dealt with a couple of injuries, especially with regards to the pitching rotation. They've been able to get the most out of those guys. Dylan Carlson has come up a highly touted prospect for the last few years, and he's been able to have a nice impact as well. And When you take a look at the landscape of the NL Central, what do you really see the St. Louis Cardinals being as? Because the Cubs are right now the top team out there, the Milwaukee Brewers. I've been able to pick up a couple wins recently, but I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals have sort of that steady Eddie approach that could allow them to, if not win the division, perhaps compete for a wild card.
1: Yeah, I think the steady Eddie approach is the perfect way to put it, and I think they're positioning themselves well to make a move that maybe puts them over the top. Typically, it's more of an off-season thing when you think of the Goldschmidt move and the Arenado move, but clearly they're not opposed to making moves and going out and acquiring talent. You know, right now, they've had to, you know, really manipulate the roster and do a lot of stuff, but they're probably, depending on how everything's shaped up this weekend, they're going to enter the week, you know, a game and a half, two games back. They're doing a good job of hanging in right there, and I think if you can do that through the month of June and most of July you go out you get that one big piece that maybe pushes you over the top and you're good to go. Or in their case, maybe just, you know, getting people healthy and getting a roster that's a little more stable. I really do think they're in a good spot, especially considering everything that's gone on. If they had the same record, but you know, everyone had been healthy every single game, then you might look at it differently. But I think the fact that they're within a game and they're not playing at their ultimate level is probably a good sign.
2: I agree with you. I do think that this is a Cardinals team that they do have some saying power out there in the National League. And I think that it's just really interesting to take a look at the National League picture in general, because I do think that the top three teams could be out here where we reside out here on the West Coast. I know that you're out there in the great state of Arizona. And I take a look at the Giants. I take a look at the Padres and the Dodgers. And I really do think that these are the best three teams out there in that entire league. It has been absolutely amazing to watch them. I don't think the Giants are going anywhere at all. And What I think has been most impressive is you just take a look at the Padres. So much young talent. It's all come up. It's shelled very well. They've used their bullpen for the most innings out there in the National League. They've been able to get that to work. And these are all just very balanced teams that are headlined by the fact that they've got a trio of pitching staffs in the top seven with regards to total ERA.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's exciting. I think the Giants are the real surprise. Obviously, going into the season, everyone was kind of excited for the NL West, which has proved true, but when we were excited for the NL West, we were just thinking of the two Southern California teams. Everyone's like, Padres, Dodgers, this is going to be fun. Now you've got the Giants, so now you've got what was supposed to be a really great two-way race is now a really great three-way race. It's only 50-ish games in, 60 games in. It's a long way to go, but it's been an exciting storyline so far and the longer the Giants stick in it I think the better for everyone.
2: I agree with you guys we do have William Borger enemy me on the podcast and William when you take a look at some of these top guys that might be coming up to the majors or a couple guys are right now on the radar because as we know with regards to the MLB pipeline standings it was really Jared Kelnick who was towards the top of it he was a very hot prospect I know that you guys We're very high on Cabrian Hayes coming into the year. He is finally off the injured list. He is firing all cylinders for the Pittsburgh Pirates, so that's very good to see. But we're a couple guys that you have your eye on that might wind up getting called up later on the summer.
1: Well, I think, like you said, Hayes is exciting. He's come up uh, just the other day, starting to hit again. The big name that everyone's watching, obviously, is for Wander Franco, the number one prospect in baseball. We're recording this on Saturday. He just doubled about a half hour ago. He's been heating up, and I think he's... Someone that obviously a lot of us really want to see. So we're kind of going to see when he makes his debut, and that's going to be really exciting. He's someone that, as much as everyone wants to see him now, and he is putting up good numbers. This is his first time playing above the high A level. You know, he never played in double A. He didn't play last year. So as anxious as everyone is, I get why the Rays are waiting, and they're giving him more seasoning and stuff like that. But... uh, It's definitely something that everyone's excited about. We really can't wait, even though, like I said, I understand why they're waiting. But it's like a kid on December 20th. You know you've got to wait the five days, but you really, really don't want to.
2: Oh, I'm right there with you. It is going to be very fascinating to see what happens when he winds up getting called up to the big leagues, and what else I think is just so interesting as well. Is I know that you wind up covering the Arizona Diamondbacks, and there's quite a few prospects that I think are going to be able to make some waves for them. John Duplantier is someone that winds up getting a couple starts for the team. I know that he's been a highly touted prospect for you guys. It has been certainly a little bit of a rough year for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I know that you guys were high on Pavin Smith. He's been able to come through, and though the Arizona Diamondbacks not necessarily having a good year so far this year, I do think that there's a bright future for the team, and I think that they're doing a nice job of being able to mold in some of these younger guys into the lineup, and thus far they've been able to produce this. This is a team that offensively has been solid when it comes to the pitching. Well, it's been a hot mess.
1: As good a way of saying as any. There's no way around it. Like, they haven't been good. But you kind of look at some of the names, you look at some of the youth, and you see the pieces. Obviously, you've got to put a whole roster together, and the whole goal is to win. But if you just look and you see the pieces, I think it's exciting to maybe think about the future, or maybe a strong second half, or really just kind of look at 2022, 2023. The thing that makes it tough for Arizona is even if they have all these exciting young names who look well and you can think oh hey if he just adds a little bit more pop or does this or does that like we're really solid you do all that and you get really excited and then you're like oh yeah we're in the NL West (laughs) so even if we do make these these little strides like the gap is huge I know you've got to focus on if you're Arizona you've got to focus on Arizona and getting better and doing what you can I've got to think that there's something there too that's like you just kind of look up and you're like oh man like we can do as much as we can and get better but then those rosters are just so good that it really makes that climb that much tougher.
2: It is going to be very difficult out there in the NL West, but hey, we have seen the San Diego Padres do it. I guess all they need to do is wind up making a trade with the Chicago White Sox for their highly touted prospect and a castaway pitcher, much like the Padres did five years ago, getting Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields, one of the more infamous trades that we've ever seen. And hey, you know what? Maybe they'll be there as we do have William Board joining me on the podcast and William when you take a look at some of these teams that they might wind up utilizing quite a bit of their young talent, I certainly take a look at the Seattle Mariners. They're going to have Logan Gilbert on the mound on Sunday. It's been a little bit of a mixed bag for him, but he was able to have his best start in his last start against the Oakland A's. I mentioned Jared like the fact that Well, after his debut, he has not necessarily been having too terrific of a season. But I do take a look at this Mariners team, and they're hovering right around 500. And if they wind up going on a win streak, who knows what might be the plan for them. I've got to think that it's building up for the future. But they're a team, I think, is really worth watching with a lot of these young guys because a lot of them have gotten a shot. And quite a few of these guys, really, other than Kelnick, they've been able to meet slash exceed expectations.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you've got to think that they're going to get better. Yes, Kelnick had a ton of hype, um, and deservedly so, and everyone was excited. And then, what was it? It was hitless in his first game. Then his second game, he had a homer and three hits or four hits or something like that. But you've got to remember, this is a guy who there was no minor league season last year. So, you know, I know he was at the alternate training site, but that is what it is. So there was nothing last year. He has spring training. And then he played in like six AAA games and then came up to the big leagues. So I think the jump to the big leagues is a big jump for anyone at any time. We're now going against the best of the best. So even under the best circumstances, it's an adjustment. Now you're telling someone who's only played six AAA games to go to the majors with all the pressure of everyone expecting him to pretty much homer every at bat, it seems like. Yeah, I'm not making excuses for him, but I do think we need to be a little bit Realistic and just kind of give him time. Um, Baseball's hard. Hitting's really hard. He didn't all of a sudden suck or forget how to hit. I think the more at-bats he gets, I think he's going to get better. And probably the same goes for Gilbert. You're going to adjust to life at the major league level. So I do think the Mariners with young players are intriguing. And I think the second half, people can both those players will start getting used to everything, finding out their rhythm, their routine. And as a result, I think it'll benefit Seattle.
2: And I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of young talent coming through for the Minnesota Twins as well. It looks like they just are not going to be having that postseason push that they were hoping for. And you knew that they were going to be sending up a couple of players to the big leagues, but Alex Kurloff, Trevor Larnich. I know these are guys that you guys were very high on as well. They've come in and they've actually been able to make some contributions for the lineup. No question. If you're the Minnesota Twins, you'd like to be able to have more of your regulars out there being able to fire in all cylinders. But I've been very impressed by these two guys. I do think that they are going to be mainstays in the lineup for the rest of the year. I'm moving forward for the Minnesota Twins.
1: Yeah. You're really starting to see their outfield of the future. Um, you've got another one of their top prospects, Everyone was excited to see Royce Lewis actually tore his ACL, I believe, in spring training. So obviously that delays him and we won't see him this year. We'll see him next year. But you are starting to see an exciting young core there. Right now it's the outfielders. You've got a couple of other players on the way, but they're more younger. So that'd be more towards 2022, 2023. But I think right now when we talk about Larnik and Karoloff, you've got outfielders that can hit and have shown ability to come up and hit and contribute right away. So I definitely think they're another team that's kind of exciting as far as young talent goes.
2: Agreed. As we do have William Bore of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline joining me on the podcast. And got to ask about one player in particular, going to get a start probably within the next few days. That'd be Alec Manoa. I still remember he was at West Virginia a couple years ago. He winds up starting against the New York Yankees as an absolutely terrific performance. Wasn't necessarily so great in performance number two, but as we know, the Toronto Blue Jays, they have been one of the best organizations the last couple years with regards to being able to bring in talent. We all know about Boba Shit. We all know about Flagler Jr. Pretty much anyone who's a son of a former MLB player has been going to the Toronto Blue Jays and they've been able to have some success, but... What do you think Manoa might be able to bring to the table moving forward? Because we've seen now two stars from him. No doubt. The curveball is crazy. I still remember watching his AAA footage. It was just absolutely off the charts. But do you think that he could be a guy that could be a suitable starter for a team that winds up making a playoff push like the Blue Jays hope to be?
1: Yeah, definitely. He's someone that we've been high on, him. he was in our top 100 prospects list. But I think when you have a team that has those names, you mentioned like Guerrero, Biggio, Bichette. There's a lot of young star power there. Plus, he came up within, I would have to look at the dates, but it was like relatively close to like the Kelnick and Logan Gilbert. There was just other stuff going on. So not that he flew under the radar. There was still a lot of eyeballs on it. But for being a top 100 prospect, he flew under the radar, if that kind of makes sense. He was a top 100 prospect. He was, you know, in the top I think probably five of our Blue Jay system. We've known that the talent's there and he was good, but it just kinda, I think, snuck up on the baseball world as far as his debut. And then he goes out and he's striking out everyone. What we're seeing now is, I think, very real. This is what he could be. Now, yes, he is a rookie. He hasn't made a ton of starts. I wouldn't be shocked if the first time he faces a team for, you know, the second time, someone tags him for six runs and four innings. It's gonna happen, it happens to everyone. But I do think this is more of who he is, not necessarily just a small start or a sample size. Like I said, he'll have a bad month. He's going to get hit hard in a couple starts. It happens to everyone. But I think overall, over the long term, what we're seeing as far as like a really quality starter is going to be who he ends up being over the course of his career.
2: I agree with you. I do think that Alec Manoa is set for a very good career and A man that is having a very good career of his own, that'd be you, Will. You'd be doing an absolutely terrific job over there at MLB Pipeline. I know that the main two teams that you cover are the Arizona Diamondbacks along with the St. Louis Cardinals, but you cover a little bit of everything. You do a great job of just taking a look at the minor league system. Fortunately, that got back up and running about a month or so ago. So, all the good people at home know what you're all doing right now. Now they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere.
1: Well, as you've mentioned, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WBOR, WBOR right now obviously in the thick of things in the minor league season since we're about four or five weeks into this season and also we've got the college postseason just started so last chance for scouts to see draft prospects or in live games they can still like have them work out but a last chance for you know prospects to make their kind of make their case in drafts um as i watch Jack Leiter pick up his 10th and 11th strikeout on my Twitter feed. Really starting to look forward to the draft and tune into all that and get ready for the draft and the futures game and everything else involved with All-Star Weekend in Denver in about a month.
2: It's going to be a lot of fun to be able to watch these guys. I know that there's always a futures game every single year that we wound up getting robbed of last year. We just got robbed of minor league baseball in general, so William's doing a great job of being able to pick up on everything that we're seeing in the minor league system as we know college baseball has become so much bigger especially with the SEC pretty much being a feeder system into AAA baseball and then from there guys wind up getting sent to the majors very very quickly and William's done a great job of being able to follow that and so much more so big thanks to William for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast and coming up next it is that time of the podcast I give you a signed journal on every game on the betting board for this Sunday and a little something you like to call touch them all
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And
2: we're back here at LB Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to William Bohr of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Sunday as we... Touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at jarensquirty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League Games first then the American League games, and then any Interleague games are going to be at the bottom, and as per usual, those are in time order as well, and we are going to be making any changes that are made to these on my Twitter feed, at JarenSquarty1, along with the spreadsheet, and we do begin with the game that's currently off the board. 951-952 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Vince Velasquez is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, To be determined, is going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals, and this is a game that is presently off the board. And for the Nats, it's going to be very interesting to see who they wind up sending out there. Austin both is someone that has given you starts in the past. They could wind up sending up a player from the minor leagues. I know that Will Crow last year was their guy, and now he is with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that is probably going to be a interesting situation there. Paolo Espeno is someone that has gotten a couple starts in his career as well. That would not necessarily be terrific because Espeno is someone that... Throughout his career, as a starter, it's not necessarily been too terrific, though. I will say, as a reliever, he's actually gotten an ERA that is a sub-2-5, so I do give him a little bit of credit there, but you take a look at this Washington Nationals team. They're a good team at being able to get on base. They are not a good team at being able to drive guys in. They're in the top five in the big leagues. When it comes to batting average on the road, they're just not driving in anyone. Once again, yesterday, of with runners in scoring position. They leave 10 men on base. It's just par for the course with the Washington Nationals at this point. And for the Nationals, bullpen, has actually been Pretty solid. Kyle McGowan winds up pitching yesterday. He gave you a scroll of seven. Kyle Finnegan has been solid for this team. You've got Bryant, who is a good closer. And then when you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, they wind up having to go to their bullpen for six and two thirds innings. So they really need some length here out of Vince Velasquez because they wind up using up Jose Alvarado, Archie Bradley. Ranger Suarez, who is really the long guy for Vince Velasquez, he's actually not had the world's worst year, which is something that is very surprising to say because he has been terrible throughout his career. A 4.08 ERA, now he has given up a lot of hard contact. Right in the neighborhood, about two home runs per nine innings, and his walks per nine is right around five, so I do think that there's going to be a lot of regression. If you take a look at his fielding independent, it is well more than a point higher than his ERA, so there is that aspect of it. Gave up six runs in his last start, but you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies as well. This is a team that they are starting to put bad to ball. They are in a ballpark that is very conducive to giving up runs, especially during the summertime. Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Odubo Herrera, all in between a 265 and a 275, a long Brad Miller. And oh yeah, by the way, Bryce Harper is back with his 400 on base. You've also got JT Mito hitting in the neighbor of a 290 with a 400 base. So, got a lot of guys that are doing some good things there. This is a spot in which I'm probably going to be setting this total at 9. So, I would take a 9 or lower over, a 9.5 or higher. I'd be probably taking a look at the under. This is a situation which I just need to know who's going to be going out there for the Washington Nationals before really setting a money line on this game. So, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed for that. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins at the road fades off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. One Sunday, Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, Chad Cool is on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you're looking at the Pirates, going to be getting them at a plus price. That is any work between plus 119 and plus 125. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with Miami, any between minus 130, minus 140, your total on this game is 8. Under is any between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is any between even a minus 110. For Alcantara, the 2-5 and five record is not indicative of how well he's pitched so far this year. He's giving up right in the neighborhood about 2.5 walks per 9 innings. He has given up a little bit over a home run per 9. But by and large, he has been able to do a relatively solid job. Now, on the road, he's had a couple of hiccups. He's got more like a 540 road ERA as compared to a 230 home ERA. But with that said, still doing a solid job. He's backed up by Miami Marlins bullpen that wound up getting quite taxed yesterday. And it got so bad that JT Burbaker in the bottom of the 11th came up in a big hitting spot for the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's not necessarily what you want to see. John Curtis, Dylan Floro, Yimi Garcia, Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender all wound up throwing yesterday all wound up throwing 10-plus pitches, so that's something that you do want to know. Now, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, one of their biggest redeeming qualities has been the bullpen as well. Richard Rodriguez, Kyle Crick, both go at least 24 pitches yesterday. David Bernard as well. You wind up having Sam Howard get used up, so both of these bullpens are going to be badly taxed, which means that Alcantara, the fact that he's going 6-plus innings is big. Meanwhile, with Chad Cool, he just wound up going off the injured list, and this is someone that has not been very cool so far this year. 641 ERA, his first start coming off the injured list, winds up Going four innings, gives up three runs to the Kansas City Royals. He has given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts. So, it's not necessarily too terrific for this team. And then you take a look at the lineups. Neither of them are necessarily mashing, but for the Miami Marlins, Jazz Shislam is someone that has come back to the folding. Brian A's for the Pittsburgh Pirates has as well. Both of these guys hitting north of a 270. You've got Jorge Alfaro, who's starting to give you a little bit of something for Miami. You've got the Marte parte of Starling Marte, who's hitting above a 300 for the Miami Marlins. You always love that, Corey Dickerson. Hitting a 275 AC double digit amount of foam runs, and then for the Pittsburgh Priors. Brian Reynolds along with Adam Frazier both have 390 plus on bases, and then after that it's a big fall off as you got Gregory Polanco, Eric Gonzalez, Ben Gamble, Kaye Tom, Kevin Newman. Along with even someone like a Michael Perez. All inning, a 2.15 or lower for this bunch. They tried out the Todd Father, Todd Frazier. It did not wind up going well for them. This is a situation in which I really do think that starting pitching is going to be so big because the bullpens do wind up playing that extra inning game yesterday. So this is the spot in which I wound up saying the total eight eight 8.6. So we're going to be going over. Set the Barlins up more around a minus 150 favorite. So we're going to be digging the fish as well. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers hit the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried goes for the Bravo's. Meanwhile, Trevor Bauer powers on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 133 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Bravos, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. Your total on this game is eight. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between minus 105. And even money for Bauer. I do think that he's going to be able to bring his power in this one. You take a look at him, he has given up two earned runs or fewer in all but one of his starts, really, ever since he wound up having that season opener against Colorado. In Coors and he has been nothing short of terrific for the team. Giving you right in the neighborhood about 12 punch outs per 9 innings. The walks, not necessarily too bad either. Right around 2.6, 2.7 walks per 9 innings. 224 ERA. And then he's going up against Guy and Freedo Coming off the injured list was looking really solid in his last start against the Washington Nationals. Gives up 5 runs, 4 of which were earned, and does not make it past the 4th inning, so that's a little bit of an issue. Walks have always been a little bit of an issue for Max freedy's He's giving out just under 4th per 9 innings so far this season, and you take a look at this Dodgers team. They have really been able to light it up with their offense. You've now got Cody Bellinger back and forth, Still below the Mendoza line of a tuner, but you know that he's going to be able to pick it up. And then you have got a lot of guys that are in that neighborhood of about a 270 to a 280. Justin Turner down for what? Chris Taylor, Matt Beattie, they're all in that pocket. Mookie Betts is currently having an on-base percentage right around a 380. Max Muncie has been absolutely tremendous for this team. i of getting the day off yesterday, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something in for the Atlanta Braves. How about Freddie Freeman? 350 on-base, only a 225 batting average with 13 home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr., he has been able to bat right around a 280 with 17 home runs. Dansby Swan Johnson is starting to pick it up. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. Guillermo Redia has been able to get on base. Austin Riley sitting at 300, but then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. A bullpen that was so good last year. Just has not been the same so far this year. Will Smith, he's getting jiggy with it with North of a 4 ERA. Edgar Santana has not been able to do the job. Luke Jackson, Chris Martin have really been your best guys as A.J. Minter. Right now, is like a th- 430-ish ERA and them with the LA Dodgers. You do have a little bit of fear with this bullpen as well. You do have a couple guys that I like Blake Trying has been very solid for this team all year long. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Victor Gonzalez as well along with Nate Jones, but when you take a look at something like a Phil Bickford, that's honestly 2 terrific. Now Jimmy Nelson back as well that is going to be able to help out the team, and I do think that Trevor Bauer Going to certainly be able to give a little bit of a better start here than Max Fried. I wound up saying the total personally at 7.7. So getting an unjuiced 8, that is very appealing to me. We're going to be taking a look at that under and with the Dodgers. Set them as a little bit north of a minus 150 favorite. So going to be going with the Dodgers along that total under. 9.57, 9.58 on the bang board. Of the Arizona the Diamondbacks are throwing a face-off against the Milwaukee Brewers. One Corbin Burns going to be going for the Badoers. Meanwhile... Caleb Smith is on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, finding themselves as sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 195 and plus 210. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Brewers, finding them as low as a minus 230, as high as a minus 240, and your total in this game is 7.5 over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. So this total at 7.8, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over now. When you take a look at Caleb Smith of the Arizona Diamondbacks, career strikeouts per 9 numbers right around on 11. His issue has always been walks. His career walks per 9 is right around 4-ish as well. So, and it's SA2 terrific. You take a look at him so far this year. It's been pretty similar numbers, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to limit the hard contact. 4 home runs given up in 38 innings. You take a look at his last start. Gives up 2 runs in 5 innings against a resurgent Mets team, and the team was able to get the W. So, it wasn't great. wasn't awful. His strikeout numbers are down a little bit as a starter, but by and large, he's been able to do a solid job. And then you take a look at Corbin Burns. 7 walks in 52 and a third innings is pretty solid, but a lot of those have come recently. He has a 2-4 and four record. Despite a 2.24 ERA, he deserves a little bit better, but this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that all of a sudden they're starting to pick it up a little bit more with their lineup. I'm not going to say that they're back or anything like that, but Christian Yelich was able to get a home run yesterday. That's big. Will Yadamis ever since he got acquired by the Rays about two weeks ago. He's got three home runs. Omir Dervais has been tremendous for this team. Just under a on base. He goes deep yesterday as well now. You take a look at the batting averages of these guys and it's really bad. Daniel Vogelbach, Luis Urias, along with Travis Shaw, William Adams himself, Tyrone Taylor, Kessonira, who's more like Kesson Hippapu, David Robertson, Manny Pina, Jackie Bradley Jr. All these guys are in at 220 or lower, so you've only got a couple guys out there, and Colt Wong is currently on the 10-day injury list. Meanwhile, you take a look at the under the Diamondbacks, you've got Mr. Joshua Rojas, who winds up going deep yesterday, right around a 340-ish on base, and then you've got Paven Smith hitting a 290 for this team. Josh Reddick, ever since he wound up coming in, he's been able to do his solid job now. Steven Vogt along Tim LeCastro, both of these guys hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 along Christian Walker, but David Peralta, Eduardo Escobar, both of these guys hanging in the pocket of a 245, and for Escobar, he has been able to give you 14 home runs. He has been able to do a solid job for this team, and then you've got the Marte parte of Quitel Marte back in the fold for this team as well. Now the Arizona Diamondbacks, bullpen has been really rough this so far this year. To say the least wound up costing them yesterday. Kevin Ginkle has not necessarily been too terrific, but you take a look, other than Devin Williams along Josh Hader. The Brewers' bullpen has not honestly been too terrific either. And Hader and Williams both used for at least 18 pitches yesterday. So that is going to be a little bit of a tough one here. I do think that the Arizona Diamondbacks should be a sizable underdog. But if I'm getting north of, I would say about... A 210 ish, I'd be taking a little shot on them. I'm right now seeing that 210, and it's really calling my name, so I'm going to be going with the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot. And with this total, like I said, set it at 7.8, so I'm going to be going over as well. 959, 960 on the banging board. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals playing us to the Cincinnati Reds, and this is a New York Post play today. You've got John Gant on the bump for the Red Likes. Meanwhile, Wade Miley is hoping to have a party in the USA for the Cincinnati Reds year total on this game. Zenny anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 9, unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. If you're looking at the cards, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 117 and minus 130. Meanwhile, for Cincinnati, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 107 and plus 115. For Wade Miley, ever since he wound up throwing that no-hitter, he's got north of a 6 ERA. He's issuing more than 4 walks per 9 innings. He has not and himself. This is a Wade Miley that we were all expecting coming into the year. Meanwhile, for John Gant, there is no way he's going to be able to keep this up. 50 and two-thirds innings, he's given up one home run. He's got a buck-60 ERA to go with a 152 whip because he is right now leading the National League in total walks, and with walks per nine innings, it's right around six. It's absolutely amazing what he's been able to do. He's given up three earned runs, four runs in total over the course of his last five starts. Actually, five runs in total, but still, it's one of those things in which, how is he doing it is my question, and the answer is, I don't know, and you've got a pair of teams that are in the bottom half of the big leagues when it comes to bullpen ERA. Now, Alex Reyes has been absolutely tremendous for this team in save opportunities for the Cardinals. 16 saves, zero sixty-two 62 ERA going into yesterday. Giovanni Gallegos may be able to give you a little bit of something, Daniel Ponce Leon, now the long guy for this team and you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds really other than TJ Antone I don't have a lot of faith in any of these guys Ethan Embry Ryan Hendricks Lucas Sims. These guys have not been good. Sean Doolittle's doing very little for you. And for the Cincinnati Reds, I do recognize that this is a team that they're hitting significantly better at home than they are on the road, but on the road, they're being able to figure it out as well. Jesse Winker, Nick Cassianos, both lead the National League with regards to batting average. Both of these guys north of a 340, both north of a 400 on base as well. Tyler Stevenson, 350 on base. Tucker Barnard, 360 on base. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of first baseman Mike Freeman as well. He's coming. He's been able to give this team a little bit of something. Jonathan in India is on all of a sudden a little bit of a heater as well. You've got Taylor Naquin who's been able to give you a double digit amount of homers and for the St. Louis Cardinals, Tommy Edmund Dylan Carlson, Nolan Arenado, Yadier Molina, and Tyler O'Neill, along with Mondo Sosa. All in between a 272 and a 282 for this team. Now Paul Goldschmidt is hitting a 242. We all know that he's going to be able to eventually pick it up. Matt Carpenter he's just a lost cause at this point but you do have to like what you're seeing out of the St. Louis Cardinals there. I want to say in the soil at 9.8 I do think that we're going to be seeing a bunch of runs that with the St. Louis Cardinals, with them both being at home and having just a little bit of better pitching in general, I did wind up sending them as a minus 128 favorite. So I'm going to be taking the Cardinals. But the New York Post play today, since I did wind up saying this total on my personal handicap, north of a an nine and a half, going to be the over is that New York Post play 961, 962 on the banging board. The Chicago Cubs at the road face off against the San Francisco Giants. Johnny Cueto goes for the Giants. Kyle Hendricks is on the bump for the Cubs. Can we stop disrespecting the San Francisco Giants? They're the underdog in this game. They're anywhere between a minus 105 and a plus 102. Meanwhile, for the Cubs, they're anywhere between minus 109 and minus 115. Your total on this game is between 8 and 8 and a half. On the 8, overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even at minus 105. On the 8 and a half, unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. I have no idea how the Giants are an underdog. Had I known this, this would have probably been about the New York Posts today because there was no way in my human mind that I thought that the Giants would be an underdog. I have to write these New York Post plays up relatively early, so that's why I didn't wind up making it that. So, just letting you in behind the curtain there, but... Man, Johnny Quato. He has been pretty solid for the team so far this year. Giving up two home runs in 44 and a third innings. He is issuing about 1.3 walks per nine innings. You take a look at him two earned runs or fewer in three out of his last four starts and yet we're going to make Kyle Hendricks a favorite who's given up 16 home runs in 62 and a third innings and throughout his career has been significantly worse on the road than he has been at home. Now on the road this year has actually not been too bad. 426 ERA 3-1 record. He has given up six home runs in 25 and a third innings and a Opponents are hitting 305 off of them, which means that I think there's going to be some regression coming in. You take a look at the San Francisco Giants. No question, this is a lineup that they have been a little bit lacking. But you still got that man out there in Buster Posey who's doing an absolutely terrific job for this team, hitting north of a 300, getting home run every 13 or so at bats. Brandon Crawford, he's got a double digit amount of home runs, 350 on base, 260 batting average. Lamonte Wade Jr. setting at 250 for this team. Evan Longoria, 370 on base. You've got a bunch of guys like a Mike Talkman, Austin Dickerson, Mike Yastrzemski. I think that Ustramski might be a little bit injured right now, but these guys are hitting right around at 220. They still have north of 300 on bases. And then you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. They do a solid job of being able to reach base as well. Anthony Rizzo, 260 batting average, but 260 on base. Chris Bryant, nearly a 400 on base. He's been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs. Patrick Wisdom goes deep again yesterday. I mean, this guy is on a massive tear. He's getting a home run every six or so at bats. It's just something that I think is a little bit unsustainable. But you take a look at the Chicago Cubs. This is a team that they are a little bit different on the road. At home, they've got a 21-10 record, 11-15 going into yesterday on the road. Meanwhile, the San Francisco Giants won the best win percentages at home so far this season. Now, I do recognize the fact that the San Francisco Giants bullpen is a little bit banged up, and they did wind up having to go into it quite a bit with that start that Zach Kazmier wound up giving a couple days ago, but Camilio Duval seems to be picking it up a little bit. I do like what you're getting out of Jose Alvarez, Zach Liddell, and company, and them for the Cubs. Over the last three days, their bullpen has been one of the best out there in baseball, no question about it. Even guys like Dan Winkler, Dylan Maples, have been solid. Craig Kimbrell looks like the Craig Kimbrel of old. You've even been able to get Andrew Chafe and Rex Brothers to be able to step up for you. So this is a situation in which I do think that Johnny Cueto is just going to be able to out Kyle Hendricks from there. Bullpen does have a little bit of an advantage for the Cubs, but because the Cubs have such a good bullpen, I did wind up taking this total under. I wound up setting it at 7.7, but made the Giants a minus 136 favorite. so we're going to be riding with them. 963 and 964 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres are going to be playing us in New York Metropolitans. Marcus Stroman is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Chris Paddock is on the bump for San Diego. San Diegos find themselves anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 126. And your total on this game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 110. Marcus Stroman has been very solid so far this year with regards to not giving up the free pass and being able to keep the ball in the yard. You take a look at him. Despite the 4-on-4 record, he's given up about 1 home run per 9 innings right around 2 wide. Walk- per nine and then for Chris paddock he's been relatively solid again right around two and a half walks per nine innings so he has been able to hone it in there right around 1.4 show runs per nine 424 ERA you take a look at Chris paddock home to road. He's pretty much the same pitcher, and he's going up against a Mets team that is finally getting back some of their pieces. Tomasito has been able to hit a 260 for the team along Tom Smith. Francisco Lindor is, I guess you could call it back. He was never injured, but he was sitting below the Mendoza line of 200 for so long. Now he's been able to give the team a bit more of something. Pete Alonzo along Kevin Pillar are also going to be able to give you a little bit of something, and then you take a look at the Padres. Fernando Tatis Jr. has been amazing for the team. He's getting a home run every about eight or so at-bats, hitting a 300 after a slow start to the year. You've got Jay Cronenworth, along Derek Cosmer, both hitting in that pocket of a 275. Will Myers has been able to give you a 255. and Pro Farm, Farmany Machado, both of these guys hitting right around a 240. But the on base has been pretty solid. And for the Padres, they've used their bullpen for the most innings out there in the National League, but they've got the best ERA of any bullpen out there in the National League as well. Guys like Emilio Pagan. A Mark Molanson, they've all been able to step up and for the Mets. How about this team as well? You've got guys like Robbie Gazelman and Jersey Familia who early on in their career were terrible. They've been able to step up. Seth Lugo is back. He's able to give you multiple innings. He's a reliable arm. Miguel Castro has been very solid as well. So I take a look at this spot. I wound up seeing the Mets as a plus 131 underdog. So we're getting relatively close here, but if you're taking a look at the run line, I'm seeing the Padres. Anywhere between a plus 150 and a plus 155. I feel like this is a situation in which we might wind up seeing the Metropolitans wind up losing this game by multiple runs. So getting north of a plus 150 on the run line is very appealing to me. I'm going to be taking a look at that. And then when you take a look at this total, I did wind up setting it at 7.6. So I'm going to be taking this 8 under to go along with the Padres on the run line. 965, 966 on the betting board. You've got the Baltimore Orioles and they're going to be playing mostly Cleveland Indians. Cal Quantrill is going to be going for the Windians. Meanwhile, Ode Lopez is going to be on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles are anywhere between minus 104 and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Indians, anywhere between even money and minus 106, although there's anywhere between 9.5 and and 10. On the 9.5, over is minus 120. The under is even on the 10, over and under, both at minus 110. Currently, the summer is only up at Westgate and Circa, and I don't understand why this is a relative pick-em game with Kyle Quantrill going up against Oye Lopez. Now, I do recognize that Lopez has been solid in his last couple starts, but all those starts wound up coming up against the Minnesota Twins. If you take the Minnesota Twins out of the equation... Lopez has a north of five career ERA and is giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. It has not been solid in the Minnesota Twins. They themselves currently have their warts that they need to deal with. And then you take a look at Cal Quantrill. He actually wound up beginning his career as a starter for the San Diego Padres. And in his first start against the Chicago White Sox, three and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up one run. And even if he's only able to go like four or five innings. He's backed up by a very solid bullpen. James Karachek has been terrific for this team. You've had Emmanuel Clase really be able to step up. Brian Shaw, Nick Sandlin, these guys have been able to give you some great innings and for the Baltimore Orioles. This is a team that they're not going to be able to back up Mr. Lopez with much of a bullpen because John Means winds up getting pulled after two-thirds of an inning due to an injury. Trey Lankin, Cesar Valdez, Dylan Tate all wound up getting used up yesterday. Now, you still have Cole Solzer and Tanner Scott that's going to be able to up this team out. And then you've got Cedric Mullins as a table setter with regards to the lineup. 380 on base, 315 Batting average. He has been solid. Trade boom boom Mancini. How about him giving you a double digit amount of home runs 280 batting average? Now you've got a couple more guys hitting between a 245 and a 255. Freddie Galvis, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander. They have really been able to pick it up, especially Mountcastle, who's been able to go deep a little bit recently. But DJ Stewart, Mikel Franco, Stevie Wilkerson, Austin Wins, Francisco, Ryan McKenna, all these guys are hitting a 215 or lower. Meanwhile, for Cleveland Indians, you've got quite a bit of that as well. Yu Chang, along with Owen Miller, Roberto Perez is currently on the injured list. Austin Edges, these guys are all hitting below the middle line. Of a 200, but Bradley Zimmer has been able to come back. He's been able to give you a tad bit of something. Jose Ramirez along there, or Ramirez are both doing a solid job. but he get on base with Harold Ramirez. He has been able to do a very solid job with right in the neighborhood, about a 325-ish on base. He goes deep yesterday. Jose Ramirez, he has been able to give you 13 home runs north of 30 RBI. Framio Reyes is still out of the fold, but I do think that the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to back up Mr. Quantrill with some good pitching, and neither of these offenses necessarily wow me, so I'm to saying this total at 8.7. So we're going to be taking a look at the under and I set the Indians are on a minus 140 favorite. So we're going to be taking a shot on the Windians. 967, 968 on the bagging board. The Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays going to be playing Osius and Astros. Luis Garcia is going to be going for the throws. Steven Matz is on the bump for the Jays. Jays are finding themselves anywhere between minus 110 and minus 117 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Astros, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 104 and plus 104. Your total is anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 10, under is just a minus 120. The over is even on the 9.5. overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus minus 120, the under is anywhere between even a minus 110 for... Luis Garcia, he has been able to do a very good job for the Houston Astros so far this year. Right in the neighborhood, about a 3-ish ERA. He just comes in night in and night out, and he does a good job of being able to avoid the big mistakes. Right around 1.3 home runs per 9 innings, but he's made them solo home runs. He's someone that's given up right around 3.2-ish walks per 9 innings, but strikeouts per 9, hovering in the neighborhood of 10 And for Steven Matz, you just don't know if you're going to get good Steven Matz or if you're going to get bad Steven Matz. Take a look at his last 5 starts. He has given up 3 runs, 0 5, 1, and... Four total runs, but two earned against the Cleveland Indians. Last time he wound up facing off against the Astros, I was on the road. Gave up three runs over the course of five innings. I would think that maybe you get a little bit of something similar in further the Blue Jays. The bullpen by and large so far this year has been relatively solid, but Rafael Dolis wound up getting used up yesterday along Tim Maza. Joel Pajampas has been solid. Jordan Romano as well, but you did wind up having to dive pretty deep into that and for the use of Astros, they weren't able to get a quality start out of Jose Orekidi, so Inori Paredes wound up having to get used up. You've got to think that you're going to have Ryan Stanek Along with Ryan Presley on call in this one. And for the Houston Astros, they wind up just not being able to drive them in yesterday, and I think that that's going to be different in this one. You've got a bunch of guys hitting at the very minimum a 278 for this team. mendez Diaz along Yuli Gurriel, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, along with Jose Altuve. Michael Brantley is currently injured, but I mean, really past that, you've got a good team. And for Kyle Tucker's hitting a 255 with a double digit amount of homers. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, Vigero Jr. currently leads the league in homers with a 18. 430 on base. He has been amazing. Teos Hernandez is hitting right around a 300 with Marcus Simeon Bobichette has been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs. He has been solid in the two old Lords Guerriel along with Joe Panica, really stepping up. These guys are in between a 260 and a 270. The catcher spot in general has been a little bit rough for the scene, but I take a look at this spot. I do think that you're going to get quite a few runs in this game. I wound up saying the total at 9.7, so seeing the 9.5 and minus 110 juice, I'm going to be taking that over. But I actually wound up saying the Astros as a very slight favorite just because the uncertainty we Steven Matson, him being a fly ball pitcher out there in a stadium at Buffalo that really does surrender the home run, that makes me a little bit uneasy. So, this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking the over along to Houston Astros. 969, 970 on the bagging board. You've got yourself the Minnesota Twins in the road face off against Kansas City Royals. Bailey Ober is going to be going for the Twins. Meanwhile, you've got Brady Singer who's going to be on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. Currently a number that is only up at Circa and the Royals. Minus 128 favorites, plus 117 on the Minnesota Twins. Your Tarleton's game is 9.5. Under is minus 120. The over is even. I wound up saying this total at 10 personally because with Ober, I just don't have a lot of faith in him. He wound up making one start so far this year and he wound up getting lit up in that start. He's not a guy that necessarily impressed me at the minors. He's not going to give you a lot of strikeouts. He is very much a fly ball pitcher. I'm with the Kansas City Royals' is a lineup that all of a sudden has been able to pick it up a little bit. Salvador Perez hitting right around a 280 for this team. He has been able to do a great job of being able to take guys the 14 home runs, 40 RBI. Now, Odez Soler continues to be a massive disappointment. 48 home runs in 2019. Bucs 74 batting average with 4 home runs so far this year, but you've got Whitmere Field along with Calvin Gutierrez, Michael Taylor hitting between a two fifty four and a two sixty-four for this team. Carlos Santana more around a two fifty, but a three ninety on base. He's got some power. Andrew Benetendi hitting nearly a three hundred. For the team as well, you've got some good wheels out there with the Royals as well. They're one of the best soul based teams out there in baseball. And them for the Minnesota Twins, Miguel Sano now has nine home runs over the last three weeks for the team. He's still hitting a buck sixty though, which is not necessarily too terrific. You've got Andrelton Simmons back to both he and Josh Donaldson along with Kyle Garlick hitting between a two forty two and two fifty two with Donaldson. He's got a three fifty three on base. He wound up having a multi home run game a couple days ago. Alex Kurloff has been able to give you a little bit of power. He and Orde Palanco hitting right around two forty for the team. But for the Minnesota. Twins. Bullpen is highly suspect for this team, especially with Taylor Rogers and Enzo Robles getting used up yesterday, so that means that you have to look to guys like Cody Sashak and guys that you really don't trust in in general. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. Bullpen has been dealing with some injuries, but I do like what you're getting out of Jake Brents along Scott Barlow. You've got Kyle Zimmer who's been highly reliable for this team. Tyler Zuber, not necessarily been too terrific, but you've got Greg and just time and time again, it seems like he does enough to be able to get the job done, and then when you take a look at Brady Singer as well, he is someone that has kept the ball in the yard, giving up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. Walks have been a little bit of an issue, just under 3.8 walks per nine innings, but by and large, has been able to do a solid job of keeping games out in front of him. He does have a 141 whip, so that's not necessarily going to be too terrific, which is why I did wind up saying this all the time, but not a lot of faith here in Ober and that Minnesota Twins. Staff in general, they're dealing with some injuries, so this is a spot in which I wanted to sing the Royals more on a minus 148-ish favorite, so we're going to be taking the Royals along with this little over. 971, 972 on the banking board. They need to try to throw a day. face it against the Chicago White Sox? Dylan Cease is going to be going for the Sox. Jose Arena is going to be going for the Detroit Tigers. Dolls Anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9 on the 8.5 overs Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders Anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the 9, Unders Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125 offers Anywhere between even and plus 105 for the White Sox. You're going to be finding them Anywhere between minus 210 and minus 225. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, that is anywhere between a plus-188 and a plus-198. And for Dylan Cease, he has been able to do a solid job of be able to keep the ball in the yard so far this season. Walks have always been little bit of an issue from. He's given up right in the neighbor of four and a half walks per nine innings, but right around .85-ish home runs per nine innings, which has been really good. Now in his last start, it did not go so well. He winds up giving up six runs in three and a third innings against the Cleveland Indians, and he's given up three plus. And now three out of his last five starts, he's gone up against a guy in Jose Reña that wound up last pitching on May 26th, so he wound up getting skipped a little bit. He has been up and down so far this year. In his last three starts, he's given up a combined nine runs, so it has been very much a just what mech is happening here situation with them. It's only giving up three home runs and 51 in the third innings, but once again, walks for him right around four per nine innings. He's backed up by a bottom 10 bullpen with regards to ERA and for the Detroit Tigers. They have been looking a little bit better recently. Jonathan Scope has really been able to do a nice job for this team. He's now got nine home runs as he has been able to supply four in the team's last four games. So that has been good. Jameer Candelario hitting about a 270 for the team along with Eric Hoss. Both of these guys giving you a little bit of something. You've got Robbie Grossman with a three. 3- 50 on base along Carol Castro. Now the guys at the bottom like a Willie Castro, a Jason Rogers, Derek Hill. They have not necessarily been able to come through them for the Chicago White Sox. No question you've got a better lineup with this team. You've got Yeromey Mercedes, Tim Anderson, Nick Mandrigal, Juan Moncada. Owing between a 290 and a 300 and for Moncada. A 430 on base. He has Monty Grendel. Buck 59 batting average with a 403 on base. Makes no sense whatsoever, but Jake Lamb, this makes a little bit more sense. 400 on base and a 280 batting average. And then when you take a look at the White Sox, bullpen has been very solid for this team. Liam Hendricks has been able to come in. He has been absolutely masterful. Aaron Bummer, after a little bit of a tough start to the year for him, along with guys like Evan Marshall, Matt Foster, they have been able to pick it up. I like what you're getting out of Garrett Crochet as well. And for the Detroit Tigers, Gregory Soto has actually been a relatively solid guy of the bullpen for them. Michael Fomer is someone that they've really used as a little bit more of a closer for them as well. But I take a look at this spot. I do think that the White Sox should be a sizable favorite. On the money line, I'd set them more around a minus 180, but then you wind up taking a look at the run line in this spot. Right around minus 120. That is going to be a little bit of a tough take here for the Chicago White Sox. Anything north of a plus 180 will be a little bit of a take on the Tigers because I actually do like what Yorana is doing and Dylan Sees, guy that I just still don't necessarily trust in, so we're going to be taking that plus price here with the Tigers. I also wound up saying the total at 8.8, so seeing the 8.5s with more around minus 110 juice, going to be taking the over along with the Tigers. 973, 974 on the bang board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be in the road to phase off against Walker, Texas Rangers. Dan Gunner Dunning is going to be going for the Rangers to be determined is on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays, so currently no numbers up on this game for the Tampa Bay Rays. Going to be probably setting them as a relatively decent favorite. I was seeing Tyler Glass a little bit earlier. Got to think that it's going to be someone else in this spot Meanwhile, you take a look at Dane Dunning after he wound up having a very good start to the year. Wound up posting a 060 ERA passes, first three starts ever since then, a north of five ERA for the year. It's more like a 467. Now, he's done a good job of being able to not give up home runs and in his home starts, five of them in total, 233 ERA, giving up one home run in 27 innings at home. Opponents are earning a 233 off of him, and he's getting right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. But this is a Tampa Bay Rays team that they know how to maneuver their bullpen. They're probably going to wind up getting a couple innings out of someone like a Michael Walka he's up there at the major league level. If not it's probably going to be Colin McHugh. You've been able to get some very solid innings out of guys like Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, so I do like what you're able to get there. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, while this is a team that they wind up striking out a lot they also do a very good job of being able to put bat to ball as well and just being able to make the most out of those hits. You've got Manuel Margot Yandy Diaz, Austin Meadows Randy Orozarena, all in between a 241 and a 255 and really other than Mango all these guys north of a 340 on base. Brandon Lau, he's hitting a 200 but a 310 on base. These guys, they just know how to be able to supply that. You've got Mike Zanino, who's been able to give you 12 home runs. And for the Texas Rangers, Adolias Garcia has been absolutely masterful for the same 16 home runs, hitting a 280. Isaac can Air Falafa hitting a 285. And then you wind up having Joey Gal with a 360 on base despite a 210 batting average. You've got that sort of with Brock Holt and Willie Calhoun as well. Brock Holt, 340 on base We're more on a 235 batting average. Calhoun. Hitting a 260 with more like a 320 on base, you've got quite a few guys that are hovering in that pocket. Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, along Jose Trevino, hitting between a 240 and 250. Hard to trust in the Texas Rangers bullpen, though. You have been able to get some solid innings out of Brett Martin, but he winds up getting used up along to Marcus Evans yesterday. So that means that you're going to be relying upon guys like Josh Shorbish. You have not been able to get anything out of Brett DeGeis as well. So this is a situation which I'm probably going to be saying this total more around like a situation in which an eight or lower would be to take on the over in. 8.5 or higher would be a take on the under, depending on who the Rays wind up trotting out there. I'm probably going to be saying the Rays as a sizable favorite, but I just seem to know a little bit more about the blueprint of the Rays. Are they going to be using a bulk guy or not? So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at juniorners One for set plays there. nine so seventy five, nine seventy six on the betting board. You've got the LA Angels playing host to the Seattle Mariners. Logan Gilbert is going to be going for the Mariners. For the Angels, it's listed on the betting board as to be determined, so this is a game that's off the board right now on ESPN. I'm seeing Jose Kitana, and I've got numbers if you wind up getting Gilbert for versus Kitana. I'm going to be saying the Angels as a favorite here, minus 143 and a total of 10.2, so 10 or lower, going to be taking a look at the over. I would need a 10.5 or higher to be taking a look at that under with Logan Gilbert. Actually did wind up having a relatively solid start in his last outing. He winds up going 6 innings, giving up 2 runs against the Oakland A's, but you take a look at him. This is a gentleman in which has done a good job of being able to limit the walks. 3 walks in 16 and 2 thirds innings of command just has not necessarily been able to be there. He's been giving up right around 10 hits per 9 innings, and then you take a look at Jose Kitana. He has given up right in the neighborhood of about 7 walks per 9 innings. Strikeouts have been there well over 13 strikeouts per 9 innings, but man, it's been a rough situation for him as he has given up at least 3 runs in 3 out of his last 5 starts and the ones that he didn't, he winds up going 4 innings or fewer in every one of them. And he's backed up by an Angels bullpen that is in the bottom 10 of the big leagues with regards to ERA and they're facing off against a Seattle Mariners team that they're in the bottom 5 with regards to recent ERA last 30 days with their bullpen. Will Vest is back for that team along Keenan Middleton and Anthony Macheffe. Which has not been great, but Rafael Montero, right around a 5-ish ERA. And then you take a look at the Angels. Tony Watson has been able to give you a little bit of something, but I don't have a lot of faith in someone like an Alex Claudio. Rocío Iglesias has actually been very solid recently, but I just still have a tough time sticking by chips in that basket. And then you take a look at the Mariners. Dead last with regards to batting average in the league so far this year. You take a look at the guys that wound up starting for this team yesterday. Taylor Trammell, Jake Fraley, Jared Kelnick owing a buck 80 or lower going into the game yesterday. You've got at a 208, Jose Godoy. He has not been good. Donovan Walton has not been able to give you anything already. Mama Lois has been absolutely terrible as well. You've got a guy in Kyle Seager hitting at 220. Now Mitch Ennegar, 14 home runs 260 batting average has been solid. JP Crawford, Ty France, and in the neighbor of a 255 and then for the Angels. You have been able to get three guys to give you at least 12 home runs. Justin Upton, zoining at 215. You've got Jared Walsh hitting a 3 13 home runs and then Joey Otani, 255 batting average. It's been Stuck on 15 home runs for quite a while, but he's doing the job for you. Jose Iglesias has been able to get on base. Good to see him back off the injured list, but I take a look at this spot. I'm going to be pretty much taking it over on 10 or lower, 10 and half or higher. We're going to be taking a look at the under, and if we do wind up getting Kitana on the mound, going to be saying the Angels a little bit north of a minus 140 favorite. 977, 978 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox at the red off against the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, Garrett Richards is on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. The red Sox are finding themselves ever between plus 127 and... And plus 135 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Yankees, find them anywhere between minus 139 and minus 148. Total on this game is nine to nine and a half. On the nine and a half unders, anywhere between minus 115 to minus 125. Overs anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. On the nine overs, minus 115 to minus 120. Unders anywhere between even and minus 105. For Richards, he wound up having a bad start to the year, but has been able to pick it up ever since then. And he's going up against a guy in Domingo Herman that ever since he wound up going down to the team's alternate site, he has really been able to help out the team. The Yankees in his life Eight starts are seven and one. They have given up three runs or fewer, and I believe every one of his starts ever since he's come back up to the alternate site, he's been able to do just a good job of being able to limit our contact in general. Now, he has given up four home runs in the team's last two games, but he's been able to limit them to solo shots, and you take a look at the strikeout numbers, he's been getting right around 9 punch-outs per 9 innings ever since he wound up coming back up. Meanwhile for Garrett Richards, this is a gentleman that he's given up right around .8 home runs per 9 innings. Not necessarily the world's greatest swing-and-miss guy, but he has given up 2 runs or fewer in 3 out of his last 4 starts. has been able to lend length as well, these 6 innings in 4 of the team's last 5. He's backed up by a bullpen that's relatively solid here to Katsu has been able to do a very good job for the Boston Red Sox. Garrett Woodlock is able to get be multiple innings along Phillips, Valdez, and then when you take a look at the New York Yankees, this is a team that they've been able to do a very good job with their bullpen. Aroldis Chapman has been amazing for this team. You've even had Lucas Lutige along Jonathan Luizga be able to step up. The problem for the Yankees is the bottom of this lineup. Chris Gittens is out getting some starts for this team. You've got Gary Sanchez, Clint Frazier, Mike Ford, all these guys hitting below a 215 for this team. Brett Gardner as well. Miguel Anduar has been able to step up a little bit recently. And then you've got D.J. LeMayo, Gio Urshela, Carlos sangley Bertoris. in between a 257 and a 270. Aaron Judge has been able to give the team right around 14 home runs, 290 on base. And then for the Boston Red Sox, they just have been great with their batting average in general. You've got Xander Burger along J.D. Martinez who wanted getting the day off yesterday. Both hitting above a 300. Even on Renfro sitting at 263 for the same Christian Vasquez is hitting at 250 with some pop. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Alex Verdugo hitting at 290. Rafael Devers double-digit amount of home runs 350 on base. I take a look at this spot I do think that the Yankees should be a favorite because they have been very good whenever Domingo Herman has taken the mound. but I'm only willing to lay up to about a minus 137 in the spot. I need a plus 137 to be able to take a shot here on the Red Sox, which I do anticipate getting But if you're taking a look at the run line, if I were to play this right now, I'm right now seeing the Yankees. Only right around a plus 125 to plus 130 on the run line. I'd be willing to lay about a minus 145 on the run line with the Red Sox. So I'm going to be looking at the Red Sox in some form or capacity, whether that be money line or taking the run and half. And with this total, I did wind up setting it at 8.2. I do think that this is set a little bit too high. So I'm going to be taking the under and the Red Sox in some form or capacity. I'm going to wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing on the Oakland Athletics. James Caparillion is going to be going for the A's. Put him on. Marquez is on the bump for the Rockies. Rockies, very slight underdogs here. Anywhere between as bad as a minus 104 and as good as a plus 102. If you're looking at the A's, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 118. Totals 11.5 over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 for Marquez. He actually has been worse at home throughout his career than he has been on the road. Road ERA of about a 3.5. Home ERA hovering right around a 5-ish, but I mean, that's just what Coors Fields is going to do to you. And then James Caparillion, he has been solid in his limited starts for the Oakland A's and he's backed up by a lineup that is relatively solid. With Caparillion, he has been able give you four starts 21 and a third innings just give it up a little bit over a home run per nine. I think the walks per nine. At four is a little bit high, but by and large, he's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the contact down. And then for the Oakland A's, what I was mentioning a little bit earlier with guys getting on base, Marcana, 11 home runs, nearly a three seventy five on base, two fifty five batting average, Matt Olson. 14 home runs. He has been able to do a great job as well. Matt Chapman's only getting a two oh seven, but more like a three twenty ish on base. Jed Lowry has been able to get a .250 for this team. Steven Piscotti, Alvis Sanders, these guys at the bottom, they need to do a little bit more, but then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. Actually a and 13 team at home. On the road, 4-22, so vastly different there, but you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of Ryan McMahon, Josh Fuentes CJ Crone only between a 257 and a 267. but Fuente's at home, hitting north of a 300 Ryan McMahon, among his 13 home runs, 10 of them have been at Coors Field as well. Jonathan Daz is hitting above a 300 Trevor is currently out of the fold, but you take a look at the bullpens. The Oakland A's have been relatively solid. Trevino has been able to give you some good innings. Some mergio Romo, you don't want any part of him, but Diolias Carrera is able to give you a little bit of something along Jake Diekman, and then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies Daniel Bart has been solid for this team. I do like what you're able to get out of someone like a Carlos Estevez as well. Now you've got Yancey Almonte with Earth of a 10 ERA. I have no idea why he's still on the roster, but I did wind up saying the Colorado Rockies as a very slight favorite in this spot. I wind up saying this total more around 10.7, so I'm going to be taking the under along the Colorado Rockies on the money line, and that wraps things up for the Baseball betting Podcast on this terrific Sunday. A big thanks to William Bor of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast. Podcasts. you're able to subscribe over your podcast Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher and tune in you've got one of two ways VL fire in questions if you have them for this podcast first one is my Twitter timeline at gunitrc41 keep in mind the letters em they mean does not matter so always send those into the timeline other ways find an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated then from there you're able to send your questions comments segment ideas what have you gonna be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in